the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends, and welcome back to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share thoughts with leading experts, uncover expansive and evolutionary truths to support the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring fine-tuning the evolving body. As we move ever further into the Aquarian age and the corresponding high-frequency area of the galaxy, we're exposed to increasing bandwidths of light. Our chakra system is responsible for translating light into useful information and personal power. Each of our chakras is anchored in a physical endocrine gland. It's at this point, the juncture between the electromagnetic chakras and the physical endocrine glands, that spiritual information is channeled into the physical plane. It would stand to reason that our ability to access the increasing frequencies in order to evolve is dependent on the balance of our chakras that regulate our light bodies and the balance of our endocrine glands that produce the hormones regulating our physical bodies. Therein lies a major problem. Most of us are in some state of hormonal imbalance. What causes hormonal imbalance? How can we tell if our hormones are out of balance? And how can we correct the imbalance in order to evolve? Our guest this hour may very well have some valuable information on the topic. Marcel Pick addresses health care through an integrative approach. She's co-founder of the renowned Women to Women Healthcare Center and one of the first to be certified as a functional medicine practitioner. She holds a BS in nursing from the University of New Hampshire and an MS in nursing from Boston College Harvard Medical School. Marcel is the author of several books, including The Core Balanced Diet, Is It Me or My Hormones, and Is It Me or My Adrenals. Her website, MarcelPick.com. Marcel, thanks for coming onto the show with us today. Oh, absolutely. It's my job to teach people the options that they have. <laughs> so what what help us um what does MS O B G Y N N P stand for? Absolutely. So I'm a nurse practitioner and my specialty is um obstetrics and gynecology, although I don't do O B anymore. It's mostly gynecology and women's health. So what's the difference between a nurse and a nurse practitioner? Great question. So a nurse would be someone that would be under the supervision of, you know, different people in a hospital setting or in a clinic or something like that. We as nurse practitioners have independent licenses and we can prescribe medications and we really work many times um, independently. And May and I have been an independent practice now for 30 years. So do you, are you under the supervision of a, a medical doctor? Um, no, in the state of Maine, there's no uh, requirement for that. New Hampshire is the same way in many states are nice now now um, starting to fall into the same criteria. We have a board of registration in nursing that is the one that's really kind of oversees the credentials that we have. 
And obviously the, the kind of recommendation is if you see, find something that you're not comfortable with, you refer them out, which I do a lot of, um, as do many practitioners in general, because it might not be my specialty. If I think somebody has a heart issue, I'm going to refer them to a cardiologist. Yeah, it takes a tribe, doesn't it? It does take a tribe, absolutely. But because I practice functional medicine, which is a little bit different, um, it's, it's understanding the root causes of a problem as opposed to just getting a diagnosis and treating it. So if I have somebody with fatigue, I'm always going to be looking to see it, make sure they're not anemic, make sure that there's no other, no other abnormalities in their blood that I'm worried about that might indicate a more serious condition. And I'm also going to make sure that they have good iron stores and their thyroid's normal. But if that's all negative, then I'm going to dig a little deeper to find out why is the mitochondria not producing the energy that they need? Do they have Lyme? Do they have Epstein-Barr? Are they not, you know, do, is their B12 lower? Do they have some enzyme deficiencies? So that we really can start to understand what's causing the problem, the cause of the cause, if you will. So for, for my listeners, um, the mitochondria is a little powerhouse in the cell. Is, it's is a that powerhouse true? of the cell. It really gives us energy. It's uh, part of the, what we call the Krebs cycle, which is a little bit more than they probably want to know. But if, they're, if there's something mucking up the system, if you will, um, certainly Lyme can be one of the things that does that. Sometimes for some people it might be you know, toxic uh, issues like mercury or lead. Um, those kinds of things can prevent the mitochondria from producing the energy that we need. But also we see that can happen too with people that are what I call pre-pre-diabetic. They have what's called insulin resistance. And what happens then is that the body's no longer able effectively to get glucose into the cell so that they might also have very low energy as well. So well, it's, it's really starting system. to dig deeper to find out what the problem is. Yeah. So do, are we seeing a lot more insulin resistance um, in this day and age than we have in times past? We are. You know, if you look at kind of the, the scale of the number of people that have obesity as a problem, we used to have, you know, uh, 20% and 30% and 40%. In the year 2020, we, we have 50% of people in the different states around the United States are obese. So we've got a big problem on our hands. And is that directly related to insulin resistance? Insulin resistance? Well, it's not so much insulin resistance, but what it is directly related to is the quality and the type of the food that we're eating. Um, and because so many people are doing many more processed foods and many higher carbohydrates, um, they're getting confused about what a good healthy diet is. A good healthy diet is probably not starting with cereal in the morning, believe it or not. That tends to be very high in carbohydrates, high in sugar, if you look at the ingredients. And a lot of people don't understand that doing you know, a specific cereal for breakfast may not be a great way to start the day. Instead, to have much more color on your plate, adequate protein, because food are messages to the body. Food is the most powerful drug we have, and it sends messages to the body to turn on or turn off some of our genes, and it also is one of the contributing factors to how people feel on a day-to-day basis. The first thing I do when I see someone is change their diet. Mm. So what is an integrative approach to medicine? Um, it's very similar. I wouldn't call myself, an, uh, well, you could call functional medicine integrative. It means that we're looking, we're integrating all the possible things that might be affecting someone's health. So I'm going to look at lifestyle, how much exercise, how much sleep, how much fun, how much joy, um, what their thought processes are. Are they someone who's always got the cup half empty instead of half full? 
Are they someone that doesn't eat properly and their nutrition is poor? Are they someone that has a huge amount of stress going on in their lives, perhaps even from their early childhood that's carried on into adulthood? Or do they expect perfection for themselves on a regular basis? So I'm going to integrate all the information I learn about them to develop a plan for them as opposed to I quickly need to come to a diagnosis and then very quickly come to a treatment plan. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm looking at all the cofactors that may be contributing to somebody's problem that they're presenting with and then figuring out what do we need to do for a solution. So when did you first become interested in functional medicine? Oh, my goodness. Um, probably about 30 years ago. I, um, I actually grew up in Australia on the outback. I spent a great deal of my time in nature, and from a very, very early time in my life, I've always known I was kind of a seeker of more information and have known that the standard way of doing things, that's why I also got the best training I could with the program at Harvard Men, so I knew the science behind it, but I needed to also understand what were the intricacies of the particular issues. And many years ago, I heard a conference by Jeff Bland, who's a PhD biochemist, I was talking about what do we know from anatomy and physiology and biochemistry that actually affects the cells on that deep level. And it's not drugs always. It's not medications always. It's really understand why did the cell signaling get disrupted. Wow. It's such an intricate balance, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not a very quick fix. Everybody's different. And everybody's needs, even with nutrition, can be a little bit different as well. One size doesn't fit all. So what kind of training is involved in becoming a functional medical medicine practitioner? That's a good question. So um, we now have something called the Institute of Functional Medicine. So if you're a medical practitioner and you're interested in kind of broadening your perspective about how to do it in a different way, um, we have a certification program. I actually teach for the Institute of Functional Medicine. I teach the hormone module as well as um, teach a week-long program teaching people a little bit more about how to do this differently. So you take the week-long module and then you take uh, a week-long workshop and then you take the modules. And at the end of that, there's obviously a, um, a, a board certification process in which you take a very long comprehensive exam. And what, then you need to have that every three, five years. What all um, medical practices, uh, practitioners do you accept into this school? Good question. So chiropractors, acupuncturists, nutritionists, people with degrees in kind of medical uh, trainings, those are all the people, DOs, MDs, nurse practitioners, uh, all of those are people that can be trained in functional medicine and get certified. But then they keep their practice to their area of expertise within the functional medicine? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. that's pretty important. Because your license it? is going to dictate what you can and can't do. Right, right. So it's within the scope of practice, as we say. <laughs> so um, are there any studies on effectiveness of functional medicine as opposed to your more traditional allopathic forms? Well, you know, we're just beginning to kind of look at that. And, and what's interesting is that nurse practitioners have some of the best ratings in terms of people complying with their recommendations. And I think primarily it's because we come from a nursing background and people like to be heard and like us the way that we listen. Functional medicine is very much that way. And if you look at the statistics that we have in terms of how many people follow the protocols that we're recommending and that we're writing many of us letters saying, I mean, I just saw somebody yesterday. We're going to have to take a quick pause. 
Marcel and I will be back after this commercial break. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo-TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Remember, past episodes are available on our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our guest this hour is Marcel Pick. 
her website, marcelpick.com. Marcel, let's talk a little bit about hormones. It's uh, how do they work to, um, what's, what's, their, what's their job in the body, if you will? Oh, my goodness. I think the question's really more what don't they do. <laughs> um, for a long time, you know, when we have a site, we kind of think of hormones as estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and DHEA, but the reality is we have many other hormones. Um, for example, vitamin D is a pre-hormone. Um, we know that also insulin, which is one of the things that's produced when you have from the pancreas when you have food, is a hormone. We know adrenaline and cortisol are also hormones. And in fact, those are the key hormones that have a lot of control over the production of our sex hormones. When we have a diet that's really poor, when we gain a lot of weight, when we possibly have a virus, our hormones are greatly affected. When we're eating a lot of carbohydrates, a lot of sugar, our hormones are greatly affected. When we have a huge amount of stress, our hormones are affected. So there's many, many contributing factors to hormonal imbalance. And unfortunately, the way medicine is today, specifically for sex hormones, what we say to people is, you know what, your hormones go up and down. We don't have to test them. They're probably fine. But as women, when we're having periods, we knew that stress affects our hormones greatly. We also saw for some people, if they drank too much alcohol, their hormones were affected as well. So hormonal dysregulation is something that happens regularly. But here's the wonderful thing, and that is that we can get them balanced once we start to understand what the imbalance is. What's the impact of a hormonal imbalance? Oh my goodness, anywhere from fatigue to moodiness to irregular cycles to fibroid development to um, unusual uh, hormonal patterns to infertility to irregular uh, ovulatory cycles to acne to low sex drive to, I mean, it really, really affects so many things, including the question you asked about earlier, which is insulin resistance. That's also related to insulin and having too many carbohydrates and too much sugar in one's diet. But the part that's so amazing is as you change things and understand things, even as you get older, you can feel fabulous. And I think that's the part that's so important to have people remember is once we understand and help you figure out what the problem is, no matter what your age, you can feel amazing. You know, it seems to me that, you know, from personal experience, when I'm sick or in a state of imbalance, I don't have as much enthusiasm for life or for improving myself or for evolving. How much, I mean, it looks like we're pretty much in a pretty bad state of hormonal imbalance because of our diets and whatnot. How much is that going to stunt our ability to evolve and become more than we can be? Um, I think the part that's really important to understand is that once we understand what the issue is, then we can do something about it. But I think what you said is beautiful, which is that, you know, when you feel horrible, you just have the motivation to do it. So oftentimes when I see people, I say, well, let's take baby steps. Let's get sugar out of your diet and let's get carbohydrates down. Or let's get gluten out of your diet and sugar out of your diet. Let's see how you are on the other side of this. I mean, I just had somebody a few weeks ago was having such serious problems with back pain. And all I did was change her. I stopped sugar and I stopped um, uh, gluten as well. And I saw her about two weeks afterwards and the difference in her was unbelievable. I couldn't believe how much different she felt and she couldn't either. You know, it's amazing to me how, you know, the hip bone connected to the backbone, right? You've got a back problem and you change your diet and it corrects itself. That's, that's, how does that work? 
Um, so one of the things that we know about many of the markers um, is that some foods cause inflammation in the body. And when that inflammation cycle happens, you get a lot more if you have perhaps your, you have back problems or back pain, that inflammation tends to go to that area of weakness, as we say. And then what happens is it's kind of screaming at you. It's like, oh, my God, it's so painful. It's so horrible. And as you then decrease that inflammation, the pain subsides. And we see that over and over again. Also, when people get Lyme disease, one of the things that we see, because I have a lot of Lyme up here in Maine, is that we see so many times people have this unbelievable muscle pain and unbelievable joint discomfort. And as we get rid of that infection and the inflammation, all those symptoms go away. So our whole body is very affected. And again, for some people, it might be you know, gluten. For some people, it might be sugar. Sugar is not my favorite food because there's nothing, in my opinion, that it does that's really wonderful other than it tastes exquisitely amazing in the moment, but you pay for the consequences later afterwards. Why do you think that sugar is so impactful? Well, we, we know that um, sugar actually turns on the same receptors um, as um, heroin and cocaine do. And we know, unfortunately, it's a very addictive substance, and for some people more than others. And it's not um, by mistake that sugar is in everything. It's um, in many things you wouldn't anticipate, including ketchup. It's like we need sugar in ketchup, not so much, but it's in very many things because people have a little bit more of it because they like that sweetness. It's a kind of a, a connection that people have is to the sugar notion. And what unfortunately happens for probably about 20% of the population, once they have a tiny bit, they can't stop and they have the bag of cookies or they have the, you know, they can't stop with the bowl of ice cream. They need to have three bowls of ice cream, that kind of thing. So, and the other, other part that's so hard, honestly, is it doesn't do anything good for us. It's certainly wonderful in the moment. And what I say to my patients is, look, 90% of the time you're amazing and you're good. 10% you're not. Just have what you want as long as that doesn't continue. So many people, we start eating all the sweets at Thanksgiving. We don't stop till New Year's. That's probably not a great cycle to get into. So are you telling me that sugar is, can be um, very similar to um, a drug like cocaine, and yet the Food and Drug Administration allows the food companies to lace everything with it in order to addict people to the food? I am saying that. On some level, I'm saying that, and it's um, one of the things that I have so many of my patients have the hardest time with is they're coming in saying to me, Marcel, it's in everything, and I said, yes. So, you know, food from scratch is probably the best option, and if you can't even uh, pronounce the products that you're eating that are in one of your particular foods, it's probably not a great idea to continue to have it. So <laughs> and it's, it's, really it's having, sad. It is in sad. Our- yeah, in our in our trying to make life easier, we're actually killing ourselves, aren't we? We are, and you know, it's really going back to what our grandmother said. You know, let's let's keep it simple. Let's keep it from scratch. Um, and you know, we have forgotten how to cook that way. And it doesn't have to be long. And you know, all of the books I wrote, all the recipes are thirty minutes or less. I'm busy. You're busy, but we want to have food that's yummy and feels that's really you know, helping our body to be healthy, but not necessarily with tons and tons of preservatives in it. I I mean, let's face it. Go ahead. When I was in school, there was um, um, cooking classes, and it was how to cook from scratch. When my my daughter came home very disgusted from high school, and I said, what's wrong? She said, well, I was in home ec today. I said, well, you like home ec. She said, no. They taught us how to microwave a hot dog. (gasps) Oh, God. 
Yeah, and it's it, it's gotten that way, and now we're starting to see the effects of it, aren't we? What, we so are. Yeah, what, yeah, we are. What effect does gluten have? How does that play in here? Well, what's so interesting is that, you know, it's it was initially kind of, oh, my God, it's a new rave. Everybody's got to be gluten-free. But the unfortunate part is that the way that wheat is produced, in particular in the United States, is, is much more gliadin in the wheat products. And that sense tends to be something that a lot of people are reacting to. So it's not so much that gluten's bad for you, if you will. Um, but what it is is that the gluten has been so increased in the wheat products that people are now starting to react. And the other thing is, so we have cereal for breakfast, we have a sandwich for lunch, um, and then we have some type of uh, gluten again for dinner. So we're really bombarding the system. And so many people, 80% of the female population in particular, have digestive issues. So you put those two together and they start becoming reactive to gluten. When many people travel overseas, the gliadin content is not as high and they don't seem to react to the gluten in the same way. What are we doing to get that gliadin up in our, in our wheat here? Um, it's the way it's farmed. It's done on purpose because what happens is that you can actually produce more in a smaller amount of uh, the field. So it's more of an econ economic incentive. Isn't everything. Huh? Does, does GMOs affect this? Or do they yes. play in here? Yes, they do. They affect it. I mean, the, the other part is that we really don't have any long-term studies in terms of what if we genetically modify a product, what's it going to do? And we are becoming more and more concerned because so many of the products, even though they're not made that way, oftentimes because it spreads in the wind, may be genetically modified that way. So there is something called uh, hormesis in plants, and that is that if there's a bug that's attacking the plant, there's a reaction in the plant to have it be a little bit more resistant, which is actually helpful for us. But in all the GMO products, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, don't, don't develop that resistance. So the quality of the food and what it's doing to us biochemically is really the big question. What does it do to us at the cellular level then? Well, that's a big question. I mean, we haven't got any long-term studies to date, um, but what we're starting to see is that because of the genetic modification, it's going to give different messages in terms of the tissue. And, it, you know, maybe in 100 years or 200 years, our body will learn to ad adapt to that. But as of this date, it hasn't yet. And again, it's not true for everyone, but there are many people that are very sensitive to these kinds of things. And what happens then is that they have a reaction. Mm. And it's not always a pretty one. And we look at, you know, we're, we have some of the worst uh, chronic diseases in the world. You know, wow. other places... We, you know, we're going to have to pick up on that on the other side of another short pause, but I do want to talk about why do we have the worst chronic fatigue and stuff in the world. Uh, Marcel and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest tools and trans- information to support the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our guest this hour is Marcel Pick. Her website, marcelpick.com. Marcel, you were just about to get into the condition, our physical condition in the States here as compared to other countries. Would you mind going on with that? Oh, sure, of course. So, unfortunately, we are one of the worst countries in the world that is dealing with chronic disease. We're not doing a great job with chronic disease. With acute problems, we are, you know, some of the best in the world, no question about it. But when it comes to the chronic problems that people are having, we really don't rank very well in the world. And part of that is that we have a huge problem with obesity. The other part of the problem is that we are not understanding the importance of the food that we're consuming, the environmental factors, including GMOs, um, including things like Wi-Fi. You know, what is that doing on top of everything else for us? 
all of those are problems for us, and we're not addressing them very well, unfortunately. Well, it sounds more like we're physically devolving because of our lifestyle rather than evolving. Hands down. And I I think that people are always floored. You know, I I was uh, talking with someone who's had chronic inflammation and back problems for years and had many surgeries, and she really had pretty much given up. She felt so horrible. And as I changed her diet, I got her off sugar, and I did a food test to see if she had any sensitivities, and she had a lot of them. And I looked at adrenal dysfunction because she'd had a very serious family issue happen over the last couple of years. And as we did all those things, you know, her remark to me is, I'm 160% better. So that is what's possible once we start to connect the dots and start to look at what do we need to do differently. But people haven't been educated to know that that's possible. We know. Let's talk about the adrenals. It seems like as a society um, here in the States and Canada too, I'm sure, we're under an awful lot of stress in a lot of places in the world. Just our lifestyle is very fast-paced and pressuring. What does that have to do with the adrenals and how is that affecting us, uh, our health? You know, if we go back 200, 300 years ago, our adrenals have to be functioning properly, and we can't live without them. President Kennedy had Addison's. He needed to be on medication to make sure that his adrenals worked well. But if we go back 300 years ago, if we had a war, we would be prepared for it, ready. We would have no appetite. We would, you know, have no sex drive. We would have, you know, amazing energy. And then when the war was over, we would come back to normal life and party and have fun and just go back to normal living. The difference these days is that we're always, always under stress. We hear, you know, bombs that are dropped when they happen. We hear shootings on the uh, kind of the news media all day long. We get text messages. We get, you know, um, Wi-Fi connections everywhere in the world very quickly. We are mothers. We have aging parents. We are in a relationship. We are have a job, and now many women are, you know, head of companies. The body can only do that so long, and so many women um, and men are working into the wee hours of the morning. They have their computers on until very late at night, and then they wonder why they can't sleep. You know, all of those are pieces to this equation that's really absolutely killing us. And when we have adrenal dysfunction. The cortisol level goes up for a long time, and for some people, then it comes down. But our adrenals affect how our glucose is produced. Our adrenals affect fluid retention. Our adrenals support thyroid function. Our adrenals support hormone function and our immune system. If you have a lot of stress, you have more autoimmune disorders. So they are intimately connected to our health and well-being, and unfortunately, people don't know that that's true. So when you when you when you have your adrenals on high, you go into fight or flight. Yes. Yes, indeed you do. Now, now fight or flight shuts down the digestive system and redirects all the energy to the muscles, so you can go either fight or run. Right. That is exactly right. You're being chased by a tiger, so let's see if the tiger gets you. If not, then life should come back to normal. But that's wherein lies the problem. People are being chased by a tiger, or in fight flight all the time. And therefore, their digestion is shut down all the time. What does that do to our ability to digest and absorb our food? Not so much. Not so well. You know, if you can imagine that your your body is always tense and tight and your digestive system is too, you're not going to absorb the nutrients that you can. And I'm just writing an article that will come actually out tonight on my website, you know, how stress makes us age. 
And it does. You know, if we have too much stress for too long, people will say to you, my God, you look stressed. Well, yeah, of course they do, because cortisol is just streaming through their system that has pretty long-term negative effects if it's going ongoing on a you know, regular basis. So this inability to digest our food because of, of being uh, flooded with um, hormones, uh, particularly adrenaline, does that link us then to leaky gut and all sorts of inflammatory gut diseases? Of course it does. Um, it's not the only cause of it, of course, but when you have, when you don't chew your food properly, when you may have had lots of antibiotics as a kid, um, then you don't have normal gut flora, then you get exposed to different bacteria, then you have an immune system that's not working very well and you've got lots of stress, that absolutely contributes to this notion of leaky gut in which the intestines are so irritated you don't absorb nutrients properly. And then does that inflammation spread elsewhere? It does. You know, what we know now more than we ever had before is that the gut you know, mucosa plays a huge part in the health and well-being of the entire body. We know that there is a gut-brain connection as well and that if you have a digestive system that's not working properly, it can actually affect how well you think and how clearly you think. So there's a huge relationship. So it takes it back to what are we buying in the grocery store, right? It does. It absolutely does. And also, if you need to be on an antibiotic, and thank God we have them because they're very helpful, you need to be sure that you're on a probiotic for not just the time that you're on the antibiotic, for a longer period of time afterwards as well, so that we can regain that gut flora back. You know, this brings me brings us to another interesting topic. And, you know, in this country, we are a real blend of different nationalities and becoming more so. Originally, nationalities had particular foods that they ate that worked well for them in their region. Now we're kind of mixing all of that together. What effect is that having? That's a fantastic question. That's one of the things that I talk to people about all the time. And I think one of the mistakes that we make as a culture here is that it's one size fits all. Well, it's ketogenic, it's paleo, it's Mediterranean, it's low fat, it's, it's high fat. It's, and for some people, we're all different, so we have different requirements. We know that your heritage does play into the kinds of foods that work well for your genetics. So it's understanding that within the context of color as much as possible, no processed foods. If you can't pronounce it, you don't have it. If it stays on the counter for a week and it's still something you can eat, you probably don't want to have it. But within that, it's finding out what individual uh, kind of society for that particular person, if they're coming from another country, what works for them, how do they feel, and then looking at the blood markers to correspond with that. The unfortunate part is that so many people come from other places around the world, and they come here and they eat the food here, and their body doesn't like it, so they start to get a ton of weight. The Puma Indians are a classic example of that. They were the hunters and gatherers with amazing physiques. And what happens then is that what we find is when people are eating foods that are not inherently good for them, their body starts to kind of react in that, in that way as well. What are the blood markers you were talking about? So when I, I have a weight loss program that I do in my clinic um, that's you know pretty remarkable. And what I do is I'm also, before I actually finish up with those people, um, I will um, actually do a genetic test to find out from the perspective of their particular genes, what food plan actually works well for them long-term. 
So it might be, um, for some people, it's lower fat. It's not good, but it might be lower fat. For other people, it might be Mediterranean. For other people, it might be um, lower carbohydrate. So we need to find out for that particular individual, what is it for them that's going to be their appropriate food? How can we, or can we, evolve into being able to eat this more varied diet as long as we're keeping it clean? Everybody's probably a little different, and I don't know if, you know, in probably 100 years we will evolve into that, but for right now what we know is that you need to be much more interested in how do I feel if I have a little bit more fat, because good quality fats are very important for us. We know that the, the processed saturated fats are not, but avocado and having coconut oil, coconut butter, MCT oil that many people are starting to use in their coffee, those are things that are very helpful. But if you don't feel well when you do that, you not mean, might need to pay attention. If you start to notice that if you cut back on your carbohydrates and you feel much better, then you're probably one of those people that does much better with a lower carbohydrate and that you don't want to do the rices and the crackers and the chips and the breads. You might want to do more sweet potatoes and quinoa and other things that have a lower glycemic load. So it's, I really urge people to start listening and paying attention, but the first place to start is no processed foods. Foods from scratch, the more color on your plate, the better. That means you've got more antioxidants on your plate as well. And also, you know, not, not buying into the whole notion of having sugar and snacks and all those kinds of things. We probably don't need that. Well, how many times a day do you think an average person should be eating? Generally, um, there's some very interesting research coming out showing that intermittent fasting is one of the things that really does help uh, in kind of decreased aging for people. And, you know, some people like to do intermittent fasting more and do more of the ketogenic plan if that works well for their physiology. So they might not have breakfast and they might have an earlier lunch and then they might have a dinner. But again, it's dependent on you. Some people are what I call snackers and you can see that in their genetics. So they might be, well, yeah, breakfast, a snack, lunch, a snack, dinner. We need to take another quick break. Marcel and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. 
The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest developments in an evolving world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. I always love suggestions from my listeners. Email me at info@missionevolution.org to propose a topic or a guest. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. We're speaking with Marcel Pick, her website, marcelpick.com. So, Marcel, I've been sitting here thinking during the break, um, and that's always dangerous. But it seems like we're trying to become evolving individuals in a devolving world as far as our food is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you are eating lower frequency foods that aren't cooperating with your body, you start to drop your overall health and frequency. How can you feel through that to tell what's good for you and what isn't? That's a great question. I mean, the unfortunate part is for many people, what they really need to do is they need to take everything out of their diet to be able to hear the messages. And when I do food sensitivity testing, you can either do that with an elimination diet or you can do it with food sensitivity testing to take all the things that you're reacting to out so you can hear the noise. Because if there's a lot of noise, you can't hear one individual food, if you know what I mean. Right, if the, whole body's, if the whole body's Absolutely. screaming. Yeah. If you've got inflammation, you're not going to know, is it dairy? Is it gluten for me? Is it sugar? Is it broccoli? Um, and so the best thing to do is to take lots and lots of things out and then start adding things back every four days, a lot of it for two days and then none for two days to see if you have a reaction. 
Um, I interviewed a gentleman um, who had a very interesting concept that if you remove too much from your diet, you quit growing and you starve out basically all the little flora and fauna and buggy bugs that we need yep. to help us yep. digest. How do you find balance in that? Well, he, he's absolutely right, but I'm suggesting this be short term. So what you're doing is you're just trying to figure out what the noise is, but if there is noise and you have digestive issues, we have to heal the digestive piece first so that you can have all the variety and not have a problem. Everybody's a little bit different in terms of their sensitivity for sure, but we have to create a situation in which you can then heal the gut. And for many people, it's taking away some foods very short term. The longest I have ever people doing it is for four to six months, unless they're gluten reactive. And I don't have them do sugar, but gluten and sugar are the two big ones. And for many people, it's dairy. They can never have it back. So what, what about all these diets that are extreme and they say, oh, you stay on them the rest of your life and you'll be healthy? Like, give me an example about what you're talking about. Oh, raw or paleo or there's, you know, the uh, blood type diet. I mean, there's more diets than you can shake a stick at out there. Oh, my God. That's for sure. So the, the, the what I say to people is, look, we want to be able to have foods within the realm of, of healthy, you know, and I think your point was so well taken. Let's start to eat from scratch. So within that, then, that gives you tons of options. I mean, you also then need to be able to decide, you know what, I don't feel well when I have carbohydrates or I don't feel well when I have a whole avocado. I feel much better if I do a half of an avocado. That's when you get to hear your own personal voice. And, and that takes clearing up the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there is some truth about some of the research now on, on ketogenic. It's pretty impressive for people to help reverse, um, you know, certainly type 2 diabetes and getting blood sugars much more stabilized. And But it's, you know, if you look at the plates of these people, their plates are so beautiful and colorful. And some people, it's more of a paleo plan. It's not quite as rigid as a, as a ketogenic. So I think, again, the piece that's so important to understand is that you are clear for you about what helps you feel better. How about your history? I mean, can you get some clues as to whether you nursed or not or whether you were on a lot of antibiotics as a child? Can that give you some clues as to where some of the Please imbalances are coming from? do that. From? Yeah. That's exactly right, and that's part of what we do in functional medicine is we're very, very interested to find out what, what happened you know, in utero. How much stress did your mom have? That can impact it. How many antibiotics were you on as a kid? Because our flora in our gut is established by age two. And if, here's another thing that's interesting is if you're a vaginal delivery, um, we, we inhale bacteria as we're going down the breast canal, that's going to inoculate the intestines. If you're a C-section baby, you're not going to have had that experience. So oftentimes those are the ones you're going to be more concerned about that they don't have the flora in the gut that they need. Or if you have lots of antibiotics, that's going to set you up as well for having an imbalanced flora. And if by two you've had lots of antibiotics and you're a C-section baby, that's the person that really needs to be uh, aware that they probably need a long-term probiotic in their lives. Don't we all, really, if we think about it? Uh, Generally so, but some people, believe it or not, those people that grew up on farms, a lot of times they don't. They've got great flora. They weren't on lots of antibiotics as a kid. And, you know, when I test them, because I do stool testing to establish, you know, what is their gut flora like, they're great. But how many people grow up on farms these days? Not so many. And we're also so crazy about, you know, if something touches the floor, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, wash it off, oh, my gosh. 
but we need to be exposed to a lot of bacteria. And there's now some very interesting research coming out that those that were in the most uh, pristine environments in which there was very little, everything was, you know, antiseptic, they having the most trouble, whereas those people that were exposed on a farm, for example, to many, many different kinds of bacteria, their immune system's working extremely well. So how much of our health begins in our gut? A lot of it. Um, you know, 200 years ago, it's the first question we asked somebody is, you know what, you know, how are you moving your bowels and how's your digestion? And these days, we don't do that at all. It's one of the questions I ask. I ask a lot about that digestive system, but um, we've gotten away from that. And it's so important because it's the key to how many nutrients we're able to absorb in our system. So does inflammation um, affect an adrenal response? Yes. If you have, uh, for example, you have a virus and you have an inflammation going on, it's going to cause that, um, that um, uh, system with respect to the adrenals to kick up a notch. So yes, it's absolutely true. It's one of the things I always look for if I have somebody's adrenal testing and I see that it's really ab- abnormal, I'm going to be curious then and start asking deeper questions and do blood work to see is there something that has to do with a virus or something else that's there for them. Do, do our adrenals help us fight disease? Is that why they get kicked in? It's a, yes, it's a catch-22. We've got this vicious cycle going on. So if we have a situation in which our immune system is being activated, of course they do. But it also is the opposite, which is if we have got too much stress that's causing the adrenals to be on overdrive, it suppresses the immune system as well. For example, if you're in school, in college, and you're working hard, working hard, working hard, and you come home and you're always sick. That is an example of what you see with people. And people that have a huge amount of stress, and at the end of it, they didn't get sick, they were great. At the end of it, they fall apart. Mm. I've seen that in search and rescue and things like that as well. You know, it's like we shut down and just run on the adrenals, and then everything's been put on the back burner and hits you all at once. So does fight or flight put us into a more primitive part of our brain? It does. Um, and you know, the other part that I, I talk with so many people about is that we don't give credence to how much stress we have as children. I don't know if you're familiar with the ACE study. It was a study that was done in 1998 looking at if you had adverse events in your childhood, did it affect your health long-term? Yeah. The longest study we've done in medicine. And if you grew up in a dysfunctional family and granted many people did, um, they looked at 19,000 men, men and women. If they had a score of four or more on the ACE questionnaire, their chances of heart disease are 140% higher, early death, early you know, kidney disease, lung disease, huge factors with regards to your health, and that's because of cortisol. Wow. So what effect does um, constantly being in fight or flight have on our ability to evolve as individuals? That's a great question. I don't think we've ever had it in the history of mankind, the amount of stress that we're under because of what we're exposed to daily, including things like battles and wars and politics and, you know, people's disasters. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens unless we start paying attention and learn to smell the roses in today. That notion of be here now and even taking an electronic Sabbath are probably very, very important for our well-being long term. What steps can a person take to take responsibility for their health in order to become our potential to evolve, even though we're in a situation that doesn't support it? Changing its diet, that's the first place to start. Uh, Understanding that you may not be able to change the stress, but you can change how you respond as an individual. 
making sure that you have time out, you know, to be outside on a regular basis, get plenty of sunshine, get your vitamin D tested, um, making sure that you're really supporting yourself with connection with family, with friends, and that you do something you love on a regular basis. I'm a ballroom dancer. It's my meditation. Find something that makes you happy. Happiness is the key to all of this as well. And also learning how to have a different amygdala primitive brain response to stress. All these things are things that we have all kinds of tools out there to do. So meditation, is that one of the tools? Um, Absolutely. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's yoga. For some people, it's, you know, walking or running. And for me, it's ballroom dancing. Finding something that really works to help dopamine increase and decrease that adrenaline rush on a regular basis. Going somewhere warm, if you live in you know, Maine in the winter, you go somewhere warm for a week or two. Or whatever is really important, whatever makes you happy, that you also do that every single day. It's amazing how much laughter and happiness, what, what kind of ills it can correct. Absolutely, absolutely. And also just turning over and just saying, you know, okay, so fine. You know, we have so much rage now and, you know, road rage on the highway. All these poor people have their, their adrenaline, you know, is pumping through their system. Oh, Marcel, you know, it's hard the... to believe, but we're already out of time. Thank you so much okay. for coming on this show. Absolutely. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me. Mm-hmm. Our guest is Sarah, has been the author of Core Balanced Diet, Is It Me or My Hormones, and Is It Me or My Adrenals, Marcel Pick. Her website, marcelpick.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Wilda on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues to bring information, resources, and support to an evolving world. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. 
We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.